Welcome to Game Like Training Radio, where we're helping you dive into learning and understand how to set up highly effective learning environments. I'm one of your hosts, Cordy Walker. And I'm your co-host, Matthew Cook. And today we are talking with Stuart Morgan. Uh, He runs the IJGA Academy. It works with a lot of junior golfers. So we're talking about development of junior golf, skill regression. What else, Matt? What else do we cover in this? Well, he talks a lot about dopamine and and cortisol and some of the chemical reactions that happen inside your brain and body, but more geared towards the junior athlete. So it's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Stuart's very experienced in this area. So pretty cool. Definitely does. And so this is on your, if you're listening to this on the day it came out, it is Friday. uh, And this Monday, make sure to grab the game like training course. You're kicking that off, Matt. The five week course launches then. So if you're interested this weekend, you should definitely head over to the page golfsciencelab.com slash GLT. You can get all the details, sign up for the program there. Looking forward to that, Matt. Yeah, super excited about it. Really interested to uh, see how people take to the the real learning sciences in a more practical way. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Make sure to check that out at golfsciencelab.com slash GLT. But let's get into it with Stuart. We're excited to be with Stuart Morgan. He has a really unique approach, really from hands-on experience. He works with a lot of golfers, specifically junior golfers. He is the head instructor at IJGA Academy. So he works with some of the best juniors in the world every day. Stuart, how's it going? Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, I mean, for people that don't know you, could you just maybe do like your your story of who you are in, in 60 seconds and, and we can go from there? Yeah, I'll do my best. I mean, my I always thought that for me growing up, just going into teaching, I always wanted to teach on tour. You know, I thought that was like the Mecca and I kind of got out there and I had two goes at it and didn't really enjoy it that much. But I loved kind of helping juniors develop. I had some time in Mexico with a junior team and um, got to meet some great people. And that's kind of where my passion kind of it went down that road. So I basically threw myself in, stopped teaching or stopped coaching the general public and just went straight down the junior stuff and, and you know, developing them kind of wherever their goals would uh, wanted to take them. And that's kind of what I do now. It's been, I think, seven or eight years since I decided to specialize in that area. So all my reading, understanding, pickles people, people's brains, brains about you know learning and junior development is is just all be all geared around that and on a day-to-day basis now i you know we have four main coaches here with, you know 50 kids um all different backgrounds and it's a uh, it's exciting and it's challenging you know learning from these kids and they teach me as much as i can ever teach them and uh, yeah that's kind of where we're at on a day-to-day basis now so obviously we're having you on the show because you care about learning and you care about care about player development. How has that conversation kind of evolved for you or like where are you at now when we talk about when we talk about learning? Yeah, I think for me it was, you know, I'll I'll put my hands up and say when I was out on tour I thought everything was about kind of technique, you know, it was okay if I fix this person or perceivably fix this person then he's going to go on and win golf tournament and my name's going to be up in lights you know a bit of an ego kicking around there I was only 25 at the time it was a real kind of eye-opener and when I almost went down too much of the technique route and I think it had a part to play with that player going and ending up kind of 
not really keeping his card and eventually with financial constraints didn't play and I'm, I'm lucky that he's still a good friend of mine to be quite honest and every time I see him I give him a hug and and so I just I'm kind of inquisitive and from there I just started to learn I couldn't have that happen again so I kind of had to learn more about more of a holistic element to golf coaching and learning and more on the kind of the personal development and the biopsychosocial elements of uh, of now with junior golfers and knowing way more about their background and how we can kind of take that into a practical process to i mean ultimately they all want to play better golf so we have to take everything we we know and learn from these individuals and make it transfer into that environment so that's kind of where where i've gone with it i still look at the the technical side of things and still learn things about that but i don't think it has as big an impact on students as opposed to you know learning this other stuff do you know Stuart? it's it's interesting that you uh say that because i remember when i first got into coaching and i thought it was all about technique you know yeah like the, that's almost the first thing you you get into um, if i want to be the number one golf coach in the world i gotta know all about the technique and then as you go along, you, you go through a similar path to yourself um, and you realize, you know what, there's a, there's a heck of a lot more to this than just that. Yeah, it's so complex. Oh, so incredibly complex. But you know what, I, I never dismiss technique, just you know, like you alluded to a, a few seconds ago. Like, it's still so important, but there's just a lot more to kind of sit back and try to look at, you know. I guess since you started specializing in just juniors, what have you found to be like the, the most important things to look at? One of the biggest things is trying to get to know the parents of the kids. Um, that's kind of one element. Um, it's a little harder now than when I was back in England, because when I used to go to tournaments back in England, I tend to walk with the parents and kind of chat to them and kind of, you know, they're spending more time with this son or their daughter than I am so just really figuring out you know where they're coming from and things like that and then understanding the whole picture of them you know they're human beings at the end of the, you know they're not just somebody that we're teaching a golf swing to or you know they're not just that physical component there's there's so much more to them and they kind of led me on to to really understanding there's a tricky period in the biological aspect of when kids go through growth spurts. And again, it's non-linear for, for many. It can happen between 11 and 16, you know, depending on um, the, how mature they are and whatnot. But the big thing in that area is there can be a huge element of skill regression. And it's a huge dropout phase for kids because if they've been successful and then they don't know this stuff is kind of going on you know, internally and then kind of showing up externally, you know, my job is to manage that and I needed to know more about it. And that's kind of where I, I see it a lot. I still see it, you know, I see it all every day. And if we don't learn how to manage that situation, then they are going to probably drop out of golf. And that's not really what we're looking for. If they want to go say to us, oh, yeah, I want to go and play elite golf or I want to play at college, or I want to play professional my primary job is at that phase, I have to keep them in the game, you know, and I have to manage what they're doing to yeah. keep them in the game. 
because without keeping them in the game, that dream is never going to be alive. Yeah, for sure. You sparked my interest a lot when you mentioned skill regression, because I, I think that's something that's it's not been talked about too much. We've, we're all about developing skills and skill acquisition, but I can't remember the last time I saw stuff about regression in skill. So because you've got so much experience working with a lot of good players and, and just a lot of juniors, and you've gone, you've probably experienced that skill regression way more than I have. How have you managed that? Like practically, what are some of the things that you've done with students going through that yeah, phase? I think the big thing to start with is like you, we can't see like the chemical changes in the in the brain when the they you know they're going through their growth spurt. We just you know, it's, it's we can see physical elements to them. So it's it's actually looking and going there's something up here, like something doesn't look right. And, you know, when I first spoke to Dr. Ernst Vick, he was like, okay, yeah, well, the legs grow first. So they're kind of, and we've all seen it. We see the person in school, you know, that their leg, they're, they're almost like their legs don't look part of their body. You know, their legs are really, really long. Their feet are long or bigger, but their torso is really small. And then their arms are kind of really long as well. So they're almost just very unproportional. So when I kind of, even now, I walk on the lesson tee and I look, I, I'm always looking for things, you know, I, and I'll, I'll look at if somebody's legs, even girls, boy, you know, whatever. And then I'll ask them age, have they, have they noticed any skill regression? Have they noticed any uncontrollable aspects to their development? Have they kind of hit a plateau with their development? And I just ask them questions about that. And uh, you know, many have. It doesn't happen to everybody, but you know, a huge proportion do, and they don't understand it. You know, they, I, they we have a, a guy from Kenya here right now, and really like amazing kid, and he really wants to get better, but he is in that phase. And I noticed it straight away, and I spoke to his dad, um, spoke to him, and said, "Look, you just need to be patient with this right now. We need to create. Well, first of all." We need to not do anything technical and base everything around kind of feeling. So maybe hitting different shapes and not talking about how to do it, but just kind of getting him to do it because his arms and the proprioceptors that are kicking around, just all different. You know, if his legs have grown X amount, his eyes are a different distance from the ground to start with. So he doesn't, you know, he's just figuring out what his body is doing in space at that particular time. But also know that the bones grow and then the tissue grows second. So the, you know, let's say hamstrings, so they can get tight. So it might affect their posture and, and, and that aspect of it. So ultimately, it's a loss of coordination. So I, I have recommendations that, that I kind of go through to manage that situation. And I look at when they're in the gym I, you know, they're doing like rolls and cartwheels and climbing and, and things like this. I mean, it, it might sound crazy, yeah. but that's the, <laughs> you yeah, know, it it's, sounds it's the, perfectly right with me. <laughs> it's, the 3D, yeah, it, no, it's the other 3D elements of what we're kind of talking about here, because they need to figure out where their body is and what their brain is, what their brain is doing. Be very stringent on when they're practicing. Like you can see them from one day to the next. They'll play great. They'll be, you know, their setup is absolutely on the money. They're aimed perfectly. 
then come the next day and they'll stand on the range. They think it's perfect and they're aiming like 50 yards left or right. And they're not, and they're not even aware of this. Yeah. So it's making sure that they're set up. They have things that they can just check at all times. Routine is vital, like having a consistent routine. If they're going to play and people and they still compete, but ultimately, you know, they're going through this change. And if we understand that, what can happen, cortisol at that point can kick around in the brain, which is a stress hormone. So what can happen with when we have a good routine, it can just calm the player down in performance. Because if they get flustered, stressed, the other chemical stops being produced, which is dopamine, which we'll kind of go on to a little bit in a second. But like I said, it's, it's managing the situation. It's educating them. It's educating the player, educating the parent. So they just need to be patient and get through that window. So get through the other side. Eventually, everything will kind of even itself out. They might even not know it, but it just does. And then they'll start to, they can start working and, you know, improving their skill again. So, and this is going to be an impossible question to answer, but I mean, like, how long does it typically take this process? Uh, and then actually, part two of that. Are you ultimately getting it like you're educating people on the on a growth mindset almost just to be aware of this process? Like that sounds pretty difficult. How do you how do you get buy-in from parents and from students? It's I mean it's it's always a battle. You know, I don't even have a uh the right answer for that. You know, it's 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 a constant I'm always finding ways of communicating that you know, to parents, I, you know, that video I shared with Matthew the other day, I've shared that with, with, with parents and I've, you know, talked to them during play and, and things like that. So, you know, it is a, I'm still learning that Cordy as well, you know, from, from that element, you know, every day that I kind of go through this. What was the first question you said again? Yeah. Like about how long is this process that you've seen with juniors where they're kind of uncoordinated and just not, not totally aware? I mean, it can last in excess of, you know, six months with some, which is, a, you know, a really long time. I mean, there's even been times where, you know, an extreme version. I remember a, a player back in, uh, back in England. It was almost to the point I could see him growing. Like every time I saw him, he was, he was taller again. And, just, and then all of a sudden, his, the power that he created just went through the roof, but he couldn't control it. So he was a really good player as a junior, you know, shooting in the 60s as a, as a, as a young golfer, like 13 years of age. And then he's 15, 14 and a half, 15, and he can't break 85 because he can't keep the driver on the planet. So what I've done then is I've sat down with his dad and I've had a real open discussion. And we actually took him away from elite performance and actually put him much more into a recreational pathway just to get through it. And they, they were diligent people and they kind of, they'd never heard this stuff before, but it kind of made sense to them because they were seeing it for their eye. You know, they're seeing their son every day, you know, going through clothes ultimately, and they're having to buy new clothes for him. So it can, you know, it's in the sense of how long it can take again, very nonlinear. One thing I have seen, like I've noticed and I, I will openly say, I don't know if there is any research and if anybody listening to this has anything on this, but somebody who has played 
multiple sports. So he's a really good athlete versus somebody who has just played golf. And I'm talking golf here. The athlete gets through it quicker versus the player who hasn't really done any other sports. I could see that. Yeah, definitely. And not only from a physical aspect, from a, a mental and psychological aspect as well. You know, I try and look at it from a rational perspective and say, okay, why would that be? Why have I seen that? And I kind of think, well, if somebody's a good athlete and they're doing multiple sports, they are coordinated. You know, they're not coordinated to one sport. You know, they're catching balls and kind of going and playing soccer with their friends and playing rugby and things like that. So they know where the appropriate receptors are very well educated going into this. So they're, they're able to kind of get through it a little easier. But like I said, if I, I don't, that's just things I've seen. If you're enjoying this episode, head over to golfsciencelive.com slash better training and get four videos that we've put together to help you have a more game-like training learning environment. We'll dive into the specific things that you can do to get more out of the time that you spend on the range. Golfsciencelive.com slash better training. All right, let's get back to it. Just kind of looking back, you know, of kids that were really good at, at a younger age, right? And then they hit that that age that you're talking about. And then they just kind of, maybe it's they get frustrated and, and they lose that that mental edge that they had along with, you know, obviously going through physical change. And obviously that education is really cool. And having a coach like yourself to help you understand that, that it's part of the process and everyone goes through it is is vital. I mean, I think so. I mean, it's it's something that I'm still learning, you know, and reading on and I, you know, pick things up all the time. And, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it touches on the, you know, the psychological element, like you said, like the PCDs and um, the psychological characteristics to developing excellence and making help, almost like helping that player, you know, develop these kind of coping mechanisms to get through this phase in their life. The other big thing that I've seen, like I'm trying to understand the kind of the chemicals that kick in, you know, you start to see things like, like dopamine is a, a really, through this phase, it's a really important chemical to kind of be, to produce. And it, it comes down to if the student is fit, they're working out, they're going to get that dopamine kind of kick in their brain. It, it you know, it dulls the effect of kind of the cortisol if they get ang- anxiety and stress. But you'll notice them as well, like seeing what's happening with these juniors. They might be fatigued. They might just be lacking in motivation around this kind of point. Lack of concentration and poor memory, which is a massive, I mean, we know, Matthew, with regards to memory, how important that is from a learning perspective. And this is where, you know, this stuff, you know, we just have to put a lid on it and try and you know, we're trying to create some success. We're trying to set little kind of marginal gains with them every day to to get that. Because once they achieve like a little goal, it might be something really small, they will get a dopamine kick in their, their head and they will feel encouraged with kind of what's happening rather than, oh, here we go again, start hitting it all over the place and just having no control over what they're doing. Yeah, so it, positive it, encouragement as well, you know, through that through that phase. Make sure they eat right, because again, foods can be a big, uh, big impact on creating or having that dopamine in the brain as well. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was I had a conversation with Steve Bain a few weeks back, and he was talking to me about positive. I was trying to seek out the positive in situations, trying to influence that dopamine effect. It, it it really is. I completely agree. It really is such an important chemical process to to try and have kids be uh, engaged in. Because I mean, it's you know, primary function is motor movement and alertness. So. It goes hand in hand with us trying to uh, achieve movement-oriented goals. So, it, yeah, uh, and you know, I think I think it was Steve Ben that also wrote a really good article. We'll we'll have to try and find it and share it about the whole achieving small goals. You know, marginal gains, yeah, achieving yeah. small goals, and eventually, you know, eventually you turn around and you've achieved so much more just by uh, these small little goals. Do you know what something just to go back a little bit you talked about athletes getting through that phase of uh, development quicker than just golfers who are yeah. who have not been athletic I think I'm pretty sure Ericsson has something on it does it's it? not um I don't think he's got a lot but I'm pretty sure I came across it in one of his papers not too long ago so I'll try and find that out and uh, and I'll share it with you Yeah I mean if uh, people like Martin Toms or um Dr. Dave Collins or whatnot, you know, we can, I can get this to them and say, come on, guys, let's research this. Can you kind of help us out here a little bit? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> do you know what? I think Butch Armand also said a long time ago, give me an athlete over a regular golfer any day. <laughs> so, I mean, he was, he was on point, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to ask more about dopamine, but you, but you just covered it for me. I, well, I'm curious, on, on that effect, like the, you said, you mentioned stress right yeah. it is a big factor during this age uh, and and a yeah. lot of that probably has to do with like their expectations parent expectations right um and everything that's going on and then suddenly they're struggling uh, and you mentioned i the story you're talking about someone changing to doing more recreational golf like i'm curious and yeah. in diving into that a bit more and and kind of learning why you would do that that seems counterintuitive to what most people would would say yeah i mean ultimately it's I'm trying to, I'm trying to, in that phase, trying to get them to their, to their homeostasis again, to kind of coin another word, to get them to that equilibrium of being just comfortable where they are rather than loading more onto them. And, you know, I, I'm not a big believer in that. We've, we've never been, we're not born into an elite pathway, right? We, we start golf or start a sport to participate. And through participation, we kind of some choose one track over another. But I'm not a, a believer in saying you have to stay on that track all the way through. I think people can kind of jump away from it at times, you know, going through different phases. And not just in this phase. I think it's more important in this phase. But in other phases as well, if they just, if let's say they've been, it's not my preferred kind of, journey and what i recommend with golfers but you have them you know they're not going to go away a seven-year-old that specializes you know and they've gone through and they get into this into this kind of phase of things that at some point they might need a break body you know uh, just a mental break not a physical one necessarily but just mental rest so what so what's wrong with them taking keeping them in the game again and just moving them to the side and saying okay play golf a little bit more now when you want take a break at this time of year, treat it as a little bit more recreational. And my feeling is they will gravitate back at some point onto that elite pathway. 
and in that phase where you know if i keep this individual let's say somebody has a skill regression and they were a national player or or on that kind of international team or they won some kind of big tournament well what kind of person am i if i keep pressing them into that when their skill has regressed and they can't play at that level anymore what's the chances of them staying in the game i mean pretty slim it's like you're you're scaling the challenge point from a really high level i i would say you know like they can't cope with elite elite golf right if you're looking at a national team player or something like that so kind yeah. of change their environment to to be more suitable to where they're at with their their skills it, it, and it is fine you know there are some there are some parents and students think i'm talking like complete rubbish but and you know you can give them all the facts you want and they have they will have their fixed mind and know that that's not true but the way i look at it if i can do it and educate one and then educate another one and just one again my marginal gains and they maybe a coach listening to this kind of thinks wow i've got a player like that then all of a sudden that's one more player that has the potential to stay in golf and play it for a lifetime whether they go and play elite golf doesn't really matter you know but but actually stay in the game yeah that's huge i think trying to keep keep these juniors in the game i mean it's a long uh, journey, we, isn't it? I mean, it's a it's a long journey. It really is. It is, and I think John Kessel. We, I think we mentioned this last week or the week before, but we, John, John Kessel, he just goes by how many people he keeps in the game of volleyball. I think we as golf coaches should do a similar thing. Definitely, and that's where yeah. a lot of this biopsychosocial is kind of derived from. You know, it has. It's about not just golf, but you know, I I interpret it as golf, but getting them and, and keeping them and having being flexible enough to actually maneuver them around that, you know, not everybody is going to be this elite golfer and we're not doing it to develop elite golfers. We're doing elite golfers come from participation. They come from groups of kids playing and having putting competitions. You know, that's just something kind of kicks in their motivation kicks in and they become pretty good at it and they'll kind of just kick on and, and choose a different pathway to some of their friends. Yeah, and some of the things he just you're just not in control of, and some of those things are the reasons why experts become experts in the end. It's more, you know a lot you're not in control of. You brought up a little bit about early specialization. I know this is something that has been talked about in the past, but I'd like to know what you think of it. Seems though you've dealt with a lot of a lot of juniors, so I guess you might have met some parents that maybe have wanted their children to specialize earlier than what you might want them to how have you gone about early specialization look again you know i'm a huge believer in managing different cultures and and different backgrounds and you know like it's difficult to turn around you know you can put the research down and people choose to focus on the outliers they choose there is early specializers that will, will go on and play great golf and and even at other sports as well but we never really kind of look at the other end of things well in my view we don't learn and parents and and even some coaches and players don't learn from the other end like learn from i've seen kids who are early specialized i taught a three-time national champion who at 18 didn't play doesn't play the game he's almost been like a golfer since he was six years of age and he put school on the, on the back burner. And, and I've seen this multiple times, you know, and it's, 
we, we need to learn from these. The outliers of the early specializers, and they're, they're small, are oh, they're just going to go on and they're going to be fine. But we need to learn from the ones that absolutely tank out at the other end. You know, they're the ones that yeah. we need to gar- you know, educate people on. Yeah. Also, I'm interested to know what types of, well, not this first, actually. How important do you believe the environment is, the training environment is for for your junior golfers that you work with? And what sort of environments do you create for your juniors? Yeah, I mean, this is something that, again, I've, I've learned a lot, a lot with over the, over the years. And Dr. Richard Bailey once, once said to me that he said everything ultimately needs to start with a problem. So there's no point in going on there and just fixing somebody's swing if the player doesn't have a problem. So it's basically then I look at the perception action coupling of things. So, okay, is it a shot that you need to develop? And it's that there always has that, that element to it. And then my ultimate thing is, well, I need to then create an environment of how I'm going to transfer that skill to the golf course. Because I can, you can change something really quick on a driving range, but if it doesn't transfer to the golf course, then you don't own that skill. And I'll use skill because skill is, for me, about hitting shots for me, like shots that you require to shoot, shoot lower scores. And so my path, my, I, what I do there, I, I'll create, I still believe in, we create spacing or interleaving kind of cycles when they're, even when they're working on developing some kind of skill or working on some kind of technique to engage that memory, that working memory again. But ultimately, as we start to gravitate, I'll add the uh, performance constraints to what they're doing to actually make the practice environment much closer to what the tournament environment is. And that's something I've, you know, Graham McDowell, which I know you know, Cordy, I don't know if you uh, spoke to him, Matty, but he's, um, he's amazing at this. I've known him for 10 years and he just opened my eyes to this aspect of it looks real, it feels real to the player. And that's kind of what I'm looking for to that final hurdle to kick them on into a play and onto the golf course and into competition. You know, I exchanged a few messages with Graham not too long ago and and I've followed some of his messages and comments and tweets and posts for, for a while. So I, uh, yeah, he's a great one for, for everybody to look up and learn from. And you can actually look him up next week on the podcast because he'll be on, uh, people can listen to him next week. We're having him on. Perfect. That'd be cool. <laughs> there we go. Good, good transition, Stuart. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other thing as well, just um, here with regards to, you know, junior development. I mean, again, I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody, but there, there's a young girl I teach called Emily Price. And she, we created a kind of a thing for her when she was younger. And I think this will also help golfers get through that kind of growth period as well. The early specializers are going to be good when they get to that level. Whereas somebody who's actually done just multiple sports and actually taken up golf a little bit later because they don't really have any expectations of where they're going or what they're doing. At that point, they're almost in that growth period anyway. And, you know, you can... I mean, with her, it was it's slightly different, but, but she didn't really get a golf handicap until she was 13 years of age. 
but she played golf. She used to come and take golf lessons, like the video I showed you, Matty, where she turned up. Her legs had gone really, really long. Her golf swing was all over the place. But she yeah, wasn't was, really playing was. competitive golf at that time. So it was a real kind of, yes, I, I was able to manage it under less stress for her. Makes a lot of sense. Well, Stuart, this has been awesome. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Uh, if people want to check out what you're doing or reach out to you, what's the, the best way to do that? Um, they can send me a, a, an email to stuart.morgan at ijga.com. Awesome. And um, they can also get me on uh, Twitter if they want to kind of connect with me there. At um, I'm trying to remember my, my handle here, which is not very good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll have to link it up on the uh, on the show notes page for this episode then to make sure that people can follow you and maybe ask you a question if they have one. Yeah, it's, yeah. At, it's at IJGA Stuart. There you go. At IJGA Stuart. Thanks for joining us, Stuart. Appreciate Thanks, it, Matt. Guys, I could talk about this for probably the next two days, but um, <laughs> <laughs> time constraints. But thanks for having me on and uh, I'll be happy to answer any, any questions the listeners have and if they want to delve more into it you know i have some academic papers that i can recommend that they can read as well so if they want to reach out then that'd be great